The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And it has been a long time since we last recorded, even though you've heard us in our normal schedule. We recorded on uh, May 15th, and it is now May 25th, our usual recording night. So we've got a, a lot, well, I have a lot of movies to talk about. I'm not sure if uh, Corey does or not, but before we get into that, um, we will be reviewing Paul Thomas Anderson's film Hard Eight. And announcing our theme for the month of June and what movie we'll be watching next week at the end of this episode. Um, before that, even, I, I already said that. This is going to be a redundant podcast. It was my last day of work, and I am officially on summer vacation. Um, and it's been a good week. But before, dang it, three times in less than a minute, I've said before. Uh, Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I went and saw a band I really like called Wolf Parade last night, and they were amazing and even better than I expected. And, you know, I was just really excited that they came to Boise because when they initially announced their um, their tour, they weren't coming to Boise. And then, like, a couple weeks later, they added a few dates, and we just so happened to be part of that, so I was pretty excited. And hmm. um, I'm entertaining at my house for the first time tomorrow. I have some friends coming over to play games and have pizza so that's a little nerve-wracking because oh. I'm weird and always want my house to be really clean. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's that. I, I've but had, I'm excited. I've had a week. Um, you know, we had graduation last Friday, and mm-hmm. uh, the senior class president was my yearbook editor um, and Ooh. has been my student for four years. And so uh, during her uh, speech, she singled me out, and it made me very, very happy. Um, she's a great kid. and looking forward to seeing what she ends up doing. She's going to... Uh, college for journalism so she's following in the uh steps of myself and also her own like i sparked the interest in her freshman year and she's gone 100 percent into it so i'm looking forward to seeing where she uh you know what she'll do in the next four years and then um i got some cool stuff from some students i had a, a student give me an awesome cookbook that's called eat what you watch it's all inspired and i posted it on instagram so i mean this isn't news if you follow me there but um it's a really cool cookbook and it was very nice uh I've, I've had an emotional week, I think. Students have been um, more vocal about how much they appreciate me than normal. Like, I had a student come to my room yesterday morning um, to just to tell me that I'm a great teacher and then uh, proceeded to explain why. And mm. it was a very cool kind of experience because everything she described is kind of how I think I teach. So, like, hearing someone else articulate it, like, exactly how I kind of view myself um was pretty awesome and yet uh it makes it makes starting summer vacation oddly sad you know like i should be excited i'm off for two months and instead i'm like man i'm not gonna see my students for two months um but you know that's that's a great problem to have uh on that note um i just watched waiting for your uh, cory to get ready for the podcast um i just watched the new trailer for the christopher robin movie oh i haven't seen any yet yeah you haven't seen any nope i saw a still or no, not even a still a movie poster today or yesterday. I saw the 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 teaser months ago where it's it it you don't know what it is until the end of the trailer where um Christopher Robin sits on a bench and Winnie the Pooh says uh Christopher Robin and you see Pooh for like a second and it the title card came up but the new trailer you see the entire um group of characters all all of the Winnie the Pooh characters that you know and love. Um, I kind I, I kind of like the art style. It, it's uh, they look more like stuffed animals from like a you know like an old vintage looking stuffed animal. They they look they're cute. Um, but the new trailer I I was pretty impressed. I, I actually think uh. it looks like an entertaining movie. So um, the premise is kind of established in the trailer, and uh, I don't know. I, I hope it's good. It, like some of the things Pooh said in the trailer are very very cute. And, um, I don't know, I am feeling a little on the weepy side today, so maybe it wasn't the best time to watch it. Oh, no. I, did, I didn't cry from it, but nonetheless, um, I don't know, I've had a pretty cool, like, we, my, I'm gonna get into movies, and I, but I went to, uh, Books A Million yesterday, and, uh, I was so excited, Corey, because I know, you, I don't know if you know, I collect the pop vinyls, like, way too much, like, I have way too many oh, of yeah. them. Oh, yeah. 
they had the Weird Al Yankovic pop vinyl. Oh! And I am a huge, huge Weird Al fan. Like, I've been a Weird Al fan since I was, I don't know, five or six. My Aunt Karen. Yeah, my Aunt Karen used to play the cassette tapes while we played cards. And so I've been a fan of his since then. And um, I got to see him live a couple of years ago with, with Mike and my daughter. We went and saw him in Lakeland. And it was one of my favorite concerts, I think, ever. And so seeing his pop vinyl, I, I was like, well, I have to have this. And then my daughter only confirmed how cool she is um, because her current hero, it's a fictional character, but like, can you can you guess who her hero is in terms of fictional characters? Oh, I thought that we kind of maybe talked about this. Is it my girl from uh, Parks and Rec or we is have, it like... An... We have talked about this. It is. Leslie Nope. has I love Leslie Nope. Like her staple and they had the pop vinyl for her. Um, which they've had for a while, but we haven't seen it at Books A Million, and I'm plugging Books A Million way too much, but... Um, I want that and the Ron Swanson one. One of my co-workers has them. I need to get that. I want the Andy Dwyer as well, and to be honest, the little Sebastian one is pretty cute. I don't know if you've seen <gasps> the little Sebastian one, but it's it's pretty great. Um, but I've, th- I've been on a binge with these pop vinyls, because I also got Blue from Jurassic World, the, the Lost Kingdom, oh. or the Fallen Kingdom. Um, I, I love Blue. Blue is my favorite part of Jurassic World, so, like, I saw the pop, and I was like, oh, I have to have that. And... When you're done with this, I have to butt in. Oh, yes. Go ahead, please. Well, I only have three, and one is the one that you got me of Jareth, the Goblin King for Christmas. Yes. And then I had to get the Mr. Rogers one, and mm. it's where he's holding the trolley, and oh, then I just got to k- uh, pick up, um, yesterday, the one from, from Barnes & Noble exclusive, where it's him holding King Friday. Puppet? Oh, oh! You know what? I'm gonna be going to Barnes and Noble on Thursday night. You um, need them, and they're ten dollars. You can't even feel bad about it. I well, I have a, because I'm a teacher. I get a books a million discount, and they're oh, like, heck yes. it's like eight bucks with the discount. So yeah, super Holy awesome. Holy heck! I know. I didn't even know that when I was buying Weird Al and Leslie Nope yesterday. But I was like, well, I feel less guilty about buying these because they're on super sale. But um, I'm going. You know, there's no Barnes and Noble in Polk County, so I'm gonna be going to Orlando oh. on Thursday night. Do you know why I'm going to Orlando on Thursday night, Corey? Mm, I feel like you're going to some super special screening of some movie. I am. An IMAX with it's, friend of the podcast. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an IMAX movie, but I'm going to a screening. It's a critic screening oh. for an A24 film that I know you're <gasps> desperate to see called Hereditary. Which I am dying, and anyone that even... I Oh, yeah. If you are my friend on Facebook, sorry. But I keep tagging my two friends and all the hereditary things and also on Instagram. I'm (laughs) so stoked. And did you see that, like, on Etsy, I'm a freaking nerd, that they have been making dolls and selling little dolls? No, I have not seen that. That's interesting. (laughs) They're probably, like, a million dollars, but I kind of want one. Well, I'm taking uh, Taylor with me. It's going to be her first critic screening um, that she's attending with me. uh, And, you know, she'll be seeing Hereditary, which... I'm hoping it's going to be okay. I'm a little nervous about taking mm-hmm. her to that film, but, you know, she's, oh. she's pretty tough. Um, I thought you meant, like, the movie would be okay. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not nervous about the movie. I'm nervous about, like, it's got, right now, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, I saw. Yeah, um, I did. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about the quality. I am worried about, like, is it going to be too scary for her, or is it going to have stuff that I'm not ready for her to see? You know, but we'll find out. Um, let's quickly get into what we've been watching. Do you know uh, if, if you've seen anything since the last time we spoke? Yeah, it's my summer. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay, so, a little while ago, I, wa- I needed to re- watch the Wayne's World movies. So, I watched the first one, so then I had to watch the second one. I watched Super Troopers 2. I don't know if that was after we recorded hmm. last time. It, I think it was. Because I think yeah, that's the way we recorded on Tuesday because you were going to the movies on Wednesday. Word. And uh, I had watched Super Troopers in preparation for that because I'd never seen it. Oops. I actually think I laughed more at Super Troopers 2. Mm-hmm. There's I that. Can see that. I think both. both? Um, well, I don't know for sure with two, but one has a lot of rewatchability. The more you see it, I think the more you'll find humor in some of the bits because they like it just i don't know it's just ridiculous i saw um contender for worst movie of the year uh last nope the night before last bad samaritan oh yeah i've heard that's real bad okay there were 12 eyeballs too many in that theater for some (laughs) reason i feel like um and i feel really bad because my friend's fiance went with us to the movies and usually i'm quiet in the movie but the movie was so effing stupid i just couldn't keep my mouth shut and she's also a nurse and she's like you know things that just you can't do it's not real you know i don't want to spoil it but i was giving i've heard it's bad (sighs) 
they spent their whole budget on David Tennant or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. But that movie joins the ranks of Don't Breathe, Valerian, and I'm blanking out on another movie that I put it up there with. I finished Big Love for the second time and mm. bawled again. Uh, started watching Dark, which is a Netflix original show. It oh, is German. Good. It yeah. is pretty good. I am going to have to go back and rewatch some of it because I I was being narcoleptic that day and we watched like six episodes. And uh, I, I don't know if anybody else has noticed with Netflix original shows, but so many of the shows have evil corporations in them. Uh, I know you watch Stranger Things and pretty much yeah. everyone else in America. And then also, I really liked Hemlock Grove. It got a little ridiculous at the end, but same thing. But I'm enjoying it, and that's... I've forgotten some things, I'm sure, but that's where we're at. How about you? Um, I've watched a bit. Uh, I've, I finished seasons uh, the season finale for Barry, which is the HBO special... Not special. HBO series with uh, Bill Hader. That is fantastic. I, it's only eight episodes. They're like 30-minute episodes. I love the show. I can... I'm The, the finale for the season's so good. I'm a little apprehensive about season two. I don't know how they could, like, one, top it, but even continue it. It feels like it could end here and be great, but I would love to see more. Um, And then Silicon Valley also had its season finale, and I thought it ended really strong. Um, I definitely have, I still love the show, so I'm I'm content with it. Uh, Hopefully another season. It's definitely set up for another season. Um, I hope they stay going, uh, because... what one i think you haven't seen the season of uh of silicon valley right no i'm behind so i don't know if you know tj miller is no longer on the show yeah and martin Starr gets a lot more time on screen i think as a result and he is so good in the season as guilfoyle um just a really great show I-, I love the characters and can't recommend either of those enough but i spent most of my time with movies so um let's get into that real quick so i'm gonna power through if you have any questions about anything um, I saw Life of the Party with my wife and uh, daughter and her friend. Um, that's the Melissa McCarthy movie. Uh, we all found it really fu- uh, My wife and I really found it funny. We were cracking up. And I don't always laugh at the Melissa McCarthy films. I, f- I feel like they found a good balance of comedy in that one. Um, I went to Thursday's uh, Deadpool double feature. So I got to see Deadpool and Deadpool oh, 2, nice. 2 in the theater. Um, that was pretty great. I enjoy both of those. Uh, Back to the Future I rewatched on Saturday. Um, just kind of grading stuff and, and working, so I threw a movie on that I love. Uh, I watched, for the first time, Cat People. Corey, have I you heard of that. Val Luton? No. Val Luton is a producer. Um, and I'm going to plug another podcast real quick. I want to make sure I say the name right. Uh, a friend of mine, that I, a co-worker and friend, and someone I admire greatly because she is just an amazing educator and person, um, recommended a podcast called The Secret History of Hollywood to me. And this guy does extensive um, episodes. Like, I mean, we're talking, some of these episodes are three hours long. Ooh. But uh, he has a series called uh, Shadows. And Shadows is all about Val Luton and, like, what his involvement was with the film industry. And he was um, a legendary producer, basically. He gets brought into RKO Studios to help save the studio. And he gets put on, like, the B horror movie division. And he's given titles of a film. And then he does, he can do whatever he wants with them, but he has to use the title they give him. So they give him Cat People. And they give him the title expecting him to make, like, a werewolf movie, but with cats. But that's not what Cat People is. And so I, I bought that one. I'm going to slowly buy all of his... Uh, he has nine movies, that I think nine, that he's, like, most known for. Because um, he's a producer, but he also ends up as, like, a... Uh, he does the story. Someone else will format the story into a screenplay, but he has a lot to do with the writing of the, the, the premise. Um, and the people he puts on the project are, like, his people. And his story is really, really compelling. The podcast is amazing. Can't recommend that enough anyways. But Cat People was really cool. Um, I was dead tired though, so I was definitely not in the best state to watch it when I watched it because it is—it's not slow, but it's definitely quiet and it's—it's it's not a jump horror type movie. It's very thought-provoking, and I was struggling to stay awake. But I don't fault the movie; I do fault my own uh, exhaustion. Um, I watched the trip to Spain, which uh, the trip films. There's the trip, the trip to Italy, and trip to Spain. Uh, Steve Coogan, Rob Brydon. It's kind of a mockumentary because it's supposed to be... It's not a mockumentary... I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's not really them. Like, it's definitely, um, you know, a performance. But at the same time, they are playing themselves on uh, out writing. Like, they're reviewing restaurants for a magazine called The Observer. And um, they go to all these fancy restaurants in the different countries. Like, the trip is in England. 
trip to Italy is in Italy, and trip to Spain is obviously in Spain, and they go to these different cities, and they eat at these very, very fancy restaurants, and they just, they just riff on each other, they crack jokes, it's, it's, it's very entertaining, um, definitely recommend those films, uh, my wife and I went on Tuesday night and saw Book Club, Mm-hmm. That's the movie with the uh, the older actresses uh, reading the Fifty Shades books. So oh, even God. though the Fifty Shades movies are over, they found another way to make movies about them. However, I will uh, having only seen one of the Fifty Shades movies, I will say Book Club is substantially better. Um, and it, I, I, it's very funny. It's not amazing or anything, but it was definitely entertaining. Uh, my wife and I, I think, found a lot of joy in it. It was uh, odd because a coworker was in the movie with a group of her friends, and then. Uh, my the student that I mentioned that graduated as and get, talked about me in her speech and uh, one of my other students and two of their friends were in front of us but I did not know that during the movie and there's some it's it's a movie about Fifty Shades so these old women get kind of riled up because of the book Noth- there's nothing really inappropriate visually but there's a lot of kind of dirty jokes but still like tongue in cheek dirty jokes but it it was kind of funny seeing them after the movie just like oh that's awkward but um. And then lastly, Corey, lastly, last night in IMAX, my daughter and I went and saw Solo, a Star Wars story. Okay, I'm still not sold on this movie. You know, neither is the general population. I had a great time with it. Um, I had a lot of fun. I think they did, uh, I'll say without spoiling anything, I really love the Chewie and Han dynamic in the film. And I I love Lando um, a lot. And the the new characters that are introduced, like... uh, um, Kira and Beckett, which is, uh, Kira's played by, oh boy, totally just blanked on her name, the Queen of Dragons, um, Amelia Clark, and then, oh, yeah. uh, Beckett Please. is Woody Harrelson, who I'm generally a big fan of, um, I, I don't know, I had a lot of fun with it, the, the movie's getting, it seems to be back and forth with every review I read, like, one person will love it, and then one person's really down on it, and then there's somebody in the middle, and it's just, like, all over the place. I will say, Leonard Malton, who is a critic that I, I respect a lot, I don't necessarily see eye to eye with, he and I see eye to eye on Solo, we both really enjoyed it, apparently, so, um, I thought that was pretty cool, so, not that we agreed, but for Malton to like a, like, a big blockbuster like this is not his always mo sometimes he's he's more forgiving than some critics some critics i think just kind of come at movies like this with a pretentious attitude that it's it's slop because it's meant for mass audiences um and there's that's not to say there aren't problems but i enjoyed it enough that it's definitely going to be added to my collection and not like i own the prequels but it's kind of begrudgingly like i feel like i have to have them because yeah they're canon but i don't really want to watch them again um, where I, I could see just putting Solo on and watching it because it is a character that I love. And um, I I thought it was fun. Like, I had a, I just had a good time watching it. it. There's some slower parts at the beginning, and there's some very cringy parts throughout the film where my, I did roll my eyes at one in particular early in the movie. Um, and yet, though, it recovered to me. Like, especially, again, I cannot stress how great Chewie and Han are together in this movie. I really, really like that dynamic, um, which I've always liked that dynamic, which I think is what made it so fun, is that it felt familiar because of their connection. But I, I don't know. I rec- I think everyone should see it. You may or may not We're, love it. I'm but. too invested already, but my friend wants to go see it, so we'll probably see it next week or when the crowds die down. Yeah, and there's definitely going to be some crowds. Our IMAX screening was pretty crowded, and my daughter noted... Um, I was laughing, like, audibly. Not not obnoxiously, but, you know, I'd laugh, like, ha-ha! And woohoo! And there was at least two times where I, I nerdily clapped, which is something I do when I get, like, too <laughs> excited. Um, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, I, it's, I don't know what it... It's my way of, like, not... I don't clap, like, there's no sound. I just, like, tap my hands together in a nerdy kind of... Um, I don't know where I started. It's, like, a... It's a thing I developed, I think, to stay quiet. But when I get overly excited and I want people to know that I'm excited about something, that's what I do. You I, quietly clap. I quietly clap. Um, <laughs> to get everyone's attention. No, I'm I kidding. Did, I, yeah, I don't know what... Why I do it. Because it's, now it's become, like, a reaction. But I, I feel like I trained myself to do it. But, um... There was at least two moments in the movie where I got super excited and was like, Oh, happy clap! Um... <laughs> But my daughter pointed out that our audience was kind of boring. Like, no, I didn't hear anyone else laugh. Now, IMAX is loud, so it's possible I just couldn't literally hear them laugh. Or our, my audience was very boring. But um, one of my film students who uh, does, like, reviews and stuff 
um, told me that their screening at my normal venue uh, was very laughing and having a good, like, audibly enjoying the film, where the crowd I was with was not audibly enjoying the film. So I don't know if it was just the people I was in the theater with or if they all were down on the movie. I don't know. But I was laughing and having a good time. So <clears throat> you got to see it, Corey. That's all I can say. I'm going to. I have to. And my daughter did also enjoy it, and um, it was cool because I I have a all white. I don't usually wear white t-shirts because I'm always worried like I'm gonna spill something and it's just gonna look like an idiot for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wore I have a all white Han Solo t-shirt that my wife got me a while back, and I had to wear that to the solo screening because. I love Han Solo, and um, my daughter wasn't wearing a Star Wars shirt and saw what I was wearing. She's like, you know what? I have a Princess Leia shirt that's also white. I'm gonna wear that. So we we wore those, and when we got to the uh, screening, she was like, oh, I'm so glad I did this because like everybody had Star Wars stuff on. Like some were almost like when we were leaving, there was a guy walking into the theater like full decked out cosplay of Han Solo, uh, holster and all, but no gun in the holster. Smart man. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, like. It was just, it, it was cool, like, seeing... It's one of the things I love about Star Wars, because I don't feel like this one's getting the, the marketing that the other Star Wars films usually get. Um, it, it feels played, like, downplayed a bit, and I don't know if they're just worried about it or if they're thinking that um, the name of Solo will sell the tickets, them, it, you know, without promotion, but it doesn't feel like the fanfare is going into it. But the screening, I, the theater I was at... Definitely people were there to enjoy the movie. They looked hyped and ready to see it. So, But then they were quiet and didn't react. In my theater, again. And it is. I do think it is very possible that I just could not hear them because of the uh, you know, the sound quality in an IMAX screening. But, mm-hmm. um, but who knows? You know, who knows what the real reason is? But I think, Corey, that might lead us into our main review, unless there's something you remember you saw. No. I do. I have to ask before we jump into the review, though, because you, you brought oh, up... Well, you brought up that you saw Wayne's World 2, but you didn't talk about it. So did you like it or not? Yeah, I did. Well, because a lot yeah, of people did. don't like the second one. Really? Yeah, it's 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 not as loved as the first. I love both. Um, I just, I think they're great. I laughed at both. And, I mean, okay, so I love Garth. I just love Garth a yeah. lot. And I felt like I laughed a lot in two. And I especially died. I haven't seen those movies since I was a kid. And I was just dying, and I freaking love when, what is her name? Oh my god, the babe, the babe. that seduces him. Oh, oh, uh, Kim Basinger. <laughs> Thank you! And, uh, she's, like, at the, you know, at the laundromat, and he picks up, like, his super shrunken baby clothes. Yeah, And yeah. <laughs> so funny! I laughed a lot. I thought it was so great. I like how he folds them, like, so delicately. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can just fold it over one time, you don't have to fold it again. Yeah, it was so funny. <sighs> Well, okay. I'm glad to hear that because I, I always do. Um, I am a fan of both films. I definitely think the first one is better, but there's a lot of good stuff in the second one. And there's a whole the ending of the second one. Well, one, I love Christopher Walken as the villain. I, yes, and I love so I love how they like tie it up at the end, where at the beginning they're going to see. Oh my God, Aerosmith, and he's yes. like, Oh, we're supposed to be back there. My girlfriend is back there, and the guy's like. There are a lot of people's girlfriends back mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Farley gets to say the same thing to Christopher Walken. Yeah. And I miss Chris Farley. Oh, I so just much. miss him so much. Uh, but I thought it was so fun. I wish I could go to Wayne Stock. Well, and, um, but, you know, the the ending of that scene is, uh, well, him going to get Cassandra during that sequence is from a very, very famous film that I'm not sure if you've seen. Have you seen the graduate no i have it uh, i want to see it well you've seen the ending i think that essentially. i have it <laughs> oh no, damn not really but they do parody like almost like it's not quite a shot for shot remake but it's real <laughs> close and um yeah i i had I... seen wayne's world 2 a dozen times before i ever saw the graduate so I, when i saw the graduate a couple years ago i was like oh my goodness <laughs> like uh, uh great yeah but it's okay um all right we're gonna be talking in good detail here momentarily about paul thomas anderson's uh first film hard eight first feature film at least um from 1996 uh it is a crime drama starring philip baker hall as sydney and uh it should be noted this film was also called sydney i think originally and changed to hard eight um john c Riley, gwyneth paltrow and samuel l jackson um it's funny because Philip Seymour Hoffman is credited here, but he has a very, very small part, barely in the movie at all, and was super obnoxious, in my opinion, when he was on the, in the film. 
yes. Um, and go ahead. oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, so I think that okay. Um, so he had Melora Walters in this movie again, which I really like her, and I talk about her. She's been in every single one of his movies, but. I just, this was his first film, and it's 1996, and Samuel L. Jackson is in it, and I'm just still kind of blown away at all the people he was able to get into his first film. Yeah, and this is two years after Pulp Fiction, so Samuel L. Jackson was already getting the with Samuel L. Jackson credit at the beginning of the film, and uh, definitely would have been a big name. Um, It has a 78 Metascore, a 7.3 IMDb user score. Um, and we've, if you haven't been keeping up with the, the podcast, we've been watching Paul Thomas Anderson films all month during May. Um, we've seen Inherent Vice, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, and now Hard Eight. And I still have several to watch, including Punch Drunk Love, um, The Master, and I feel like there's one more of his that I need to see. I cannot think of what it is. But I, I have seen Phantom Thread and uh, his. Oh, I loved Phantom Thread too. so much. And I, There so Will funny. Be Blood is so fantastic. It's still one of. Uh, one of my first like real cinematic like film loving experiences where i was like oh this is way better than a lot of other stuff that i watch you know like (laughs) what have i been wasting my time you know um (laughs) even i was preparing for our uh our top five list on sunday that we're gonna be recording our top five um best of 2000 uh, oh god uh and so i was looking at movies from 2000 and i was like wow i watched a lot of crap (laughs) Some of the the movies that I've seen, I'm like, oh boy, um, that's not going to go on my list. But yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, Corey, what'd you think of Heart 8? Sweet baby Jesus. It was one hour and 41 minutes. And I was so happy about that. The shortest of of Paul Thomas Anderson's (laughs) films we've watched this month, for sure. (laughs) One of them was over three hours, wasn't Uh, it? Magnolia was three hours and 13 minutes. So I'm not just being my ridiculous little self where if it's over an hour and a half, I am not having it. Um, I enjoyed it. I still, there are some things I want to know, um, but I can't, I don't really want to talk about it much until we give spoilers. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm kind of torn. Uh, I'm kind of torn about what I want to say uh, here without like, cause I don't think I would spoil anything, but at the same time, most of my complaints that I'm gonna have are about plot points so in theory I could spoil something if I were to talk about it I wouldn't necessarily even talk about the points at all but I I I definitely think this is a first film um it's got some problems uh it's got some very good performances and I think some good characters but I also found it um like when you look at parts of it there are some major like I think writing error error not errors but some weakness in the writing for sure and um, I, I will say Philip Baker Hall is is also in uh, he's in Boogie Nights but much smaller role in Boogie Nights and he's in Magnolia as the game show host. Um, oh, I hated that character and I wanted to punch him in the face. Really, I didn't hate him until the end. I mean, once the reveal happened. Yeah, I, that's when I was okay. just like, "Are you serious?" So, no, I not the whole movie. Yeah, sorry okay, guys. Yeah. Well, you should have been following along. We've been talking about these movies all month, well, guys. To be fair, all we month, didn't guys. say what what he did, which is that there's a reveal of some kind. Um. Yeah, but and that was there's no redeeming or coming back from that. No, and but in this movie, I really liked his performance a lot. Um, I found him very very interesting. I I do, and I, I'm always a Sam Jackson fan because even in in movies that aren't very good, he's usually Sam Jackson to some degree, and he's definitely mm-hmm. that in this movie. Um, he kind of reminds me of his character, um, not quite to the extremity of from Jackie Brown, but there's a there's a tinge of it in this film and i don't know if you've seen tarantino's jackie brown but uh definitely one you should make a quick fix about it is a great film and i think underseen of tarantino's um but but overall of the ones we've watched i definitely like this one the least and i think it is because i i see i wonder if like he had a bigger script and this was all he could actually get made um because it feels like there's stuff missing and especially if you've seen his other stuff it does feel like he's trimming out sections of story that he's alluding to but uh doesn't get into and you could it it feels like he's doing that because of time and then when you look at his other films and this one's only an hour and 45 but like every other one's well over two hours um it it, there's evidence to my theory here and then you know you look at movies like i mean this is his first film so don't get me wrong it's really really good for a first film I feel like it's better than a lot of films from directors that have more movies under their belt. De- I mean, uh, stylistically, 100% for sure. Um, I'm not sure about 
like some of the writing uh more it's more or less story because even the dialogue though is always so natural in his movies um and man the performances that he i don't know if if it's pta getting the performances from these actors or if it's just that he only cast great actors because man they're all so so good in this even i'm not a big gwyneth paltrow fan in fact as a person i've generally grown to dislike her from what i know about her her whole goop website and whatnot yeah i can't handle her yeah um for real and uh she's a lot of the movies i have seen with her i don't generally like remember her or or enjoy her performance uh but i don't like her in this movie like as a character but i don't think i'm supposed to like the character in fact i don't know if we're <laughs> supposed to like any of the characters in this movie um but i guess that's probably a good point to get into spoilers I definitely like this film. I don't love it, and I don't know that I would want to revisit the entire thing. Um, is what I'll say before we get into spoilers. Uh, any any thoughts like that, Corey? Mm, I liked it. I was glad that it was digestible and mm. not a million hours long. Yeah, um, it's definitely easier and, than a lot of his films too. Like thematically, yes, I, I feel like it's, I didn't... it's straightforward. Mm-hmm. And the subject matter isn't as heavy either. I mean, it's not like, I don't know how to explain it. It's not, I don't know. We can talk about it. Okay, let's get into spoilers. Okay, guys. So we're going to talk about Paul Thomas Anderson's, uh, I love that his initials are PTA also, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, film for Heart 8 from 1996. If you don't want to have spoilers, you should stop now. Otherwise, we'll see him ahead. And it was released in 96, right? Uh I think that's what I said. Oh, it says 96, but then it says uh, February 28, 1997, USA. Uh, Most likely it had a film festival release would be my guess. Um, ah, okay. Given the, the nature of the film, it, it most likely would have premiered somewhere. Maybe Sundance? I don't know for sure. I We could probably find out if we looked through it. Um, but my guess would be it got into a festival mm-hmm. and that's where it went from there. But um, you never know. Those dates get kind of wonky with um, with indie films especially. But uh, so let's talk some problems with the story. One, um, a lot of things are just like kind of blurted out to us, you know, um, and that's definitely going to be for budgetary reasons. Like they're not going to be able to shoot a lot of different locations and um, things like it. It feels like we're supposed to I, I don't know. I guess at first I thought John was going to be the main character when we when he's introduced, and because mm-hmm. um, it, it feels like that's what's being set up that Sydney is going to show him how to do this thing, and then we're going to follow John. Like he's going to back away. Yeah. And okay, so I am going to agree, and I feel like that big reveal at the end is very. Uh, what's Samuel Jackson's character? Sid. Uh, no, Jimmy. No. Jimmy. Jimmy. When Jimmy's like, oh, well, if you don't give me this $10,000, I'm going to tell him that you killed his father. And I'm like, yeah. what? We like, never heard. We yeah. didn't really hear about that. How did you find out that he killed his father? And I didn't know John's father was killed. And Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Oh. And, and how long ago did he kill his father? Because that's the other thing. And like, Also, like, didn't they say it was like in New Jersey or somewhere? It was in uh, Atlantic City. So, um, and so Jimmy in, alludes isn't to... Isn't that in New Jersey? Correct. He says that I, I was originally from the East Coast. So, so then there's the problem with how did he find John? Well, I guess that's there's a lot of factors to that question, too. Did he find John or was he seeking was he John him? out? Like, you know, had he always kept tabs on him because he felt guilty for killing his dad? We don't know why he killed his dad, which you don't have to know why. Um, but I feel like that's a really big thing to come in at the end of the movie and be like, surprise! Correct. You know? It is like the attempt of a twist, but no twist actually being there. Just spouting out random information when we have no evidence to support anything. Um, Sydney is a mystery throughout the film. We don't quite understand any of his motivation. Um, he chooses to help John. John's sitting outside of a diner. He offers to buy him a coffee and give him a cigarette. And John reluctantly accepts. Uh, definitely not something you often will hear people offer that type of thing. And John's not particularly asking for anything. He's just sitting outside the diner looking sad. But he doesn't have like a sign or a cup or anything. Nothing to indicate he needs money. But um, clearly he's down on his luck. And it's outside of Reno. And so I, I'm assuming... We're supposed to assume at first that Sydney is just making an assumption that John needs help. And he quickly finds out that he does. 
um, he offers to give him 50 bucks and he says how will you use it and it's kind of interesting it's like this whole premise um, and he takes him to Atlanta, uh, back to Reno sorry not Atlantic City takes him back to Reno and has him uh, gives him $150 but teaches him how to like rotate I don't quite understand how any of that works by the way like he has the um, what's the card called the uh, rate card it's a, yeah it's a comps card so what, what does that mean a comps card so I <laughs> from living in Vegas for a very short time and having it Ah. you know, someone in my family that was a compulsive gambler, um, that you, you you get these, like, cards, and they're kind of like club cards that you earn money for comp- comping things out, like you can use it towards food in the casino, or you can use it towards gambling, or you can use it if you save up enough to rent a hotel room. You can use it for all of these things, and that's what I didn't understand either, because how are you just going from one... And anyways, they're going to catch on to that so fast... Maybe in Vegas, maybe not in Reno. Maybe that's why he's doing it in Reno. Like maybe I feel like I mean, isn't Reno supposed to be like a small city? And oh, well, yes, it is. It's a smaller version of Vegas, right? Like, isn't it like a yeah? Uh, so I would think that they would be watching you, and that then they, you know, word would get out about you. But no, he just does this all day, and he ends up with like twenty five hundred dollars, I think. Got a hotel room from it. Um, yeah, and, like they were, he was comped a room. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I see, I, I didn't quite understand how that worked. But I saw it, what he they, was doing, but I'm like, well, how yeah, does that actually count as money? Yeah, it doesn't mathematically, like, add up. And then I watched something uh, that, I watched uh, Siskel and Ebert, uh, like, three-minute review or something, and they're talking mm-hmm. about how they're trying to set him, he's, Sydney's trying to set him up to look like a bit high roller, Mm-hmm. But really, I felt like wasn't he like he was accumulating all this money and mathematically it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, did not fully get exactly how all of that played out. I mean, he did win some money because he's gambling slow and like it's it's very much like the slow and steady wins the race kind of mantra. And clearly okay. it works because that appears to be what Sydney's doing. And um, from one because the movie ends after the hotel room and it jumped not ends. I'm sorry. It, it jumps two years into the future. So we meet, we see Sydney meet John for the first time. We see him teach him this method of like getting things comped and like winning small money, um, but basically teaching him how to live off fifty dollars. Now, the beginning of the film, we're told that he needs six thousand dollars to bury his mother, and that's never brought up again. Nope. So I also thought that the the whole goal of the film would be John trying to get six thousand dollars. It is not, and it's not really John's movie. It's Sydney's movie, but it's not clear it's Sydney's movie until we come back from the two years we then see sydney sitting at the table we find out john's been doing very well for the last two years apparently they've become good friends but not really i don't quite get their relationship um we meet jimmy jimmy's a little bit obnoxious and there's definitely tension between sydney and jimmy and it's hard to tell if there's a racial tension because the comment about you work security like outside like felt a little bit like because he's a black man um, but then it could also just be because of the way Sydney uh, conducts himself. He, he's oh, he was despicable. <laughs> yeah, the way he talked about the girls and and whatnot, especially in 2018 when we've become much more aware of that uh, how wrong that is. Uh, I mean, we, I feel like it's always been wrong, but it does feel like now we're like, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not okay to let people do A this. A few guys, yeah. Which is kind of the reason I do like Sydney is because Sydney seems to be such a generally good person until we find out about him killing, you know, John's so dad. He trying to redeem himself. Well, that's the thing. Maybe with John, but his general demeanor. Like, what about Clementine? Clementine played by uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. John is I John C. Feel- Riley. Like, he's still, well, I feel like maybe, you know, I feel like you're either a good person or a bad person. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So maybe he's, like, trying to just be a good person now. Mm, Like, collectively. Got it. it. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know. But he doesn't hesitate. I mean, so he helps Clementine. Clementine's a waitress and apparently a prostitute, uh, which is, I guess, the norm in Reno, according to Jimmy. Um, And he sees her, like, coming out of a hotel room and he... He offers to bring her to a hotel room to let her sleep, and she thinks he wants to have sex with her. He get I love how he gets offended because he doesn't like overreact. It's very subtle, just like 
Is that how you ask me? You're going to ask me that question? Like, it's... There's, like, a gangster <laughs> mob boss thing about him, for sure, that is, like, wow, that's intense, and yet there's still, like, a kindness to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's this weird presence that Sydney has, um, definitely by the actor. I mean, um, John and Clementine getting married after, basically, we only see them interact for, like, five minutes, um, and then we find out they get married, like, a Vegas wedding style, you know, like, just drive through, probably. We don't see the wedding. We're just told they got married. But it's like they she they get married and then she goes to turn a trick yeah. for th- three hundred bucks. Oh, I mean it was nineteen ninety six. I mean maybe it was more. You know what I mean? I don't know. It, um, it goes wrong though, and they call Sydney for help. Uh, they've essentially kidnapped the man who she slept with because he's refusing to pay her the money they agreed on. Um, so they're. I love that they kidnap him and still only want $300, by the way. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-uh, they're not asking for real. more money. They're just $300. And they called like, his wife! They called his wife. Um, and so now they're worried about the police and all of that. And that's where... It, it's another... None of the plot points really lead to anything. It's ultimately the whole movie's building to why is Sydney helping John. But we don't see him help John that much. We get the opening sequence, which is important because he, he helps him a lot there. But we don't see two years of the help, the quote-unquote help that John, that Sydney's giving John, just the aftermath of it. And it's, 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 John's still a moron because he marries a, a, a hooker, essentially, that he finds in his bed, mind you, um, because of, of Sydney. And then um, he he the kidnapping thing is partly his responsibility. Like, he helps the whole process, and he's clearly panicked. And then he hits... He's mad because the guy hit her, but then he hits her. So it's... You know, and then we find out from Jimmy that Sydney killed his that the dad, but we don't know why. I mean, I think if you're listening to just what we're saying, there's clearly some weaknesses in the story. Like, a lot of it's not explained. There's no real rhyme or reason. Um, I Again, Sydney is the main character only because we spend so much time with him. But we don't really know what his ambitions are until Jimmy tells us that he killed his father. Then we can kind of say, okay, well, he's trying to replace his father. He's trying to be a surrogate father. And there is a touching phone call late in the movie where he tells um, John that he loves him like a son. And, man, John C. Riley's performance there, he's always good at the sad sap character. But that freaking, when he, like, reacts to being told that, you know, Sidney tells him that he loves him, I was... I was in on that part for sure. I thought it was really great, but um, Corey does not care about that part. She thinks no. I hear it. other people talking in the background, and it really? distracted me. Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, that's so, supersonic. Sorry, gaming. folks, but that's fine. What are your thoughts, Corey, about that moment, the phone call? <sighs> no? I just, I'm. Oh, I'm here. I thought it was a good part. I thought it was. I thought it was good. But I just feel like John C. Riley always gets like cast. Here he is again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that's like a. But he's great at it. He he nails the sad sap character. I hope he has a beautiful wife in real life, and that he's just a boss. <laughs> I feel like he probably is. But... I'm sure. I mean, he's <laughs> you done, know, he's done some amazingly great films. Like when you, because to me, and I've said this before, because we've talked about him in every episode. I think. Um, well, he wasn't an inherent vice, I think, but he's been in the other three films we've watched. Oh, you're right. Um, but he, uh, my first, like, realizing who John C. Riley was as an actor was from Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, and then Step Brothers. And so my impression of him was that he was like a B, he's a sidekick character to Will Ferrell, and he is nothing but a, you know, a, a character actor for c- comedies. And then I saw a few other movies like that, and, and that's not an insulting thing, but that was just all I thought of him. And then the revelation over the last two years of how high a caliber actor he is and how many prestigious films he's been a part of. I mean, Boogie Nights is considered one of the best films by many people. Um, Magnolia is fantastic, and he's great in Magnolia. Uh, Chicago is a musical that won a lot of awards. We watched it as part of our um, Oscar month, and John C. Riley plays a sad sap in that and has my favorite song, Mr. Cellophane. Love that Such song. Such a good song. And he was the perfect casting for that, you know? Like, he's done so many big movies like that. I mean, he's done some crap ones, too, don't get me wrong, but most actors have done those as well, you know? Um, for every Boogie Nights, there's a Transformers Age of Extinction. That's just how it goes. Um, that was a Mark Wahlberg diss, not a John C. Riley diss, but... Um, Mark Wahlberg is the best actor in the world. What? And that no. brings us to next month's whatever. Yes. It's all Mark Wahlberg movies. This I'm is not kidding. true. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
don't stop listening to the podcast. Although nope, I do like, just kidding. I like several Mark Wahlberg films. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and I I find the big hit to be underrated. Um, really good action movie. Stupid, funny action movie. But nonetheless, um, I think I'm kind of done with this. I don't I don't think there's much else we've left out. To be honest, we've kind of touched on every point. I I do like the performances in this film a whole lot. Um, I think it it definitely kind of touches on what PTA will become in this movie. Uh, he has a lot of his long, long take shots that he follows through the casinos oh, I, and stuff. I meant to say this, and then we started talking about other things. I love the opening shot. Like, I can't remember... It's the push shot with um, him walking up to the diner door. Is that where the camera is, like, right behind the silhouette? It's, I mean, I wouldn't call it a silhouette, but yeah, it's behind... Well, yeah, it's just, like, the head and shoulders, but I couldn't think of another, you know what I mean? I couldn't think of another movie that I've really seen that, and it just, like, created that unease, like, first off. I was just, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't like it, but I was intrigued. Like, it made me uncomfortable, but... Well, and it it tracks up to John C. Riley sitting on the 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 ground and from Sydney's waist we're like we're, so, you see the reflection in the mirror uh, not the mirror in the door of the diner which I was I was waiting I was like are we gonna see the camera in the reflection but he did a good job of saying just to the left of it so you don't see the camera but you see the reflection of Sydney as he walks up um to, to John C. Riley's character and offers him we we don't see Sydney till they're sitting in the booth I don't think um we just yeah, hear him and when the camera's behind him doesn't he just look completely black yeah, I mean, it's because of the lighting, but yeah, um, I guess that's, that's technically what I meant a silhouette. silhouette. Yeah, that is a silhouette. I, I apologize. I just, I guess that wasn't the part that stood out to me as much as just right away I see PTA's, uh, he loves those tracking shots. He likes those long takes. Um, not that that one's particularly long, but he uses it a few other times when they're leaving the hotel um, after the kidnapping. There's a really long take where the camera follows them to the car, and it's a really well done, well composed sequence, which we see immediately in Boogie Nights um, that they recreate the Goodfellas uh, type walking through the club sequence. You get that here with a lot of the casino shots. Um, the, I mean, it's it's you see a lot of PTA's uh, stylistic flourishes in this movie already, which is just goes to show why he's so great is he kind of already knew who he was as a filmmaker from the get-go and those things have just gotten better and more efficiently used and more effectively used i think in his other movies so um i would say for a pta month while i still have several films to watch i am definitely uh, on completely on board i should have always been but i had skipped a lot of these movies for one reason or another i am now uh, a pta fan and will continue to watch his other films um i give heart eight though I'm I'm gonna go decent watch because I do feel like there's so many story problems. Um, I don't think it it's in my not quite golden or it's definitely not in my must see uh, caliber. So still a good movie. Decent watch is a positive rating even though it's in the middle. Um, it's just not it's not a film I think is after vital. watching all those others. Yeah, and this is probably where we should have started, which would have made logical sense. But who are we? And then we would have just been, yeah, we would have just been like, oh my god, look how far he's come. And I, as always, am stuck between two. I'm gonna go with a decent watch, though. Okay. So, and as as a director, I give PTA a must see director though. So, um, yes, I will definitely keep him high on my radar for anything he does in the future. Um, and I've heard uh, he talked after um, Girls Trip, he had, he reached out to Tiffany Haddish and said he wants to work with her, I believe is what I remember hearing during Oscar season. So that would be intriguing. Um, all right. So that's the end of May. Paul Thomas Anderson month is over. When we record again, it will be June 1st. And so we're starting a new theme. And the month of June, we've decided to do LBGTQ+, plus, I believe is the, the final thing. Is it LBGTQ+, plus now? Um, we're, we're going to be watching movies that deal with, uh, well, the LBGTQ community in some capacity. And we're going to start with an Ang Lee film that I have been needing to watch for quite some time. And I will not deny that my young idiotic self was too homophobic to watch. And at this point in my life, I am no longer homophobic and am completely comfortable watching Brokeback Mountain. From I don't feel like you were homophobic. I thought, I feel like... You just—I I, I don't think never it, felt like you're it, homophobic. I—I I, I think like it's it was... more like my fear of other people thinking I am gay because I'm watching something that features two men that I, I know for sure they kiss. I don't know exactly what you see in the movie, but I just feel like if that was a movie back in 2005 when it came out, if I had told my friends that I watched, they would have been like, "Oh, what are you gay?" Because we were still kind of trailing out of the 90s and we weren't quite. You know, we were only 23, and we just didn't have the maturity to handle that. 
I mean, some of my friends still don't have the maturity to handle that, but nonetheless, um, I'm trying to uh, enlighten as many as I can. And again, I've never been, like, I don't want homophobic to come across as I, I didn't like gay people, but I was, for most of the 90s and early into the 2000s when I was still too too young and dumb to understand how homosexuality worked, um, I was afraid of being gay because I was afraid of the stigmas and, and struggles that could come with being gay at the time especially. And so I, I tended to do anything I could to distance myself from the possibility. And so movies like this, even though they have tremendous actors and uh, tremendous accolades attached to them, I did not watch. And I, I regret it now, but I am in the effort to remedy. So uh, Brokeback Mountain, as I mentioned, directed by Ang Lee, stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Heath Ledger, Michelle Williams, Randy Quaid, Valerie Planche, uh, Planche? I feel like it's Planche, but I'm, I'm probably wrong. And I thought there was one more big name female actress, but I don't. Oh, Anne Hathaway, there she is. I knew there was like one more big name actress in there. Um, oh, Grant, Graham Beckel looks very familiar. What is he in? That guy looks super familiar. Oh, he's in LA Confidential. That's why. Yep, yeah, he's the angry detective in LA Confidential. Um, Brokeback Mountain has a uh, meta score of 87, IMDb user score of 7.7, um, and this will be our first movie in the LBGTQ month. Um, and I'm very excited about this month. There are some movies on this list that I have been waiting for. And I'll go ahead and tease one um, that I've picked. And I, I'm pretty sure it's going to get at the end of the month. Um, and it's Sean Baker's Tangerine, a film that I've been meaning to watch for quite some time. Uh, one, because I am a big Sean Baker fan from Florida Project. This is his only film I've seen so far. But uh, Tangerine was also shot all on iPhone 5Ss. Um and so it got a lot of uh, a lot of buzz because of how great the film's supposed to look, despite having been filmed on an iPhone or well. IPhones. So I saw this and I added it to my queue. It's either on I think it's on uh, Amazon Prime, but it might be on Netflix. It's, it's on one of those two. Def- I am ninety percent sure it is on Netflix. I don't know if it's on Prime, but if you saw it on Prime, then there you go. Um, I saw it on one of them, but anyways, it's streaming, guys. It's it's one, and that's not till like the end of the month, but. Brokeback Mountain we'll be watching for next week's episode so if you would like to uh, watch the, sh- the movie or if you've seen the movie and you want to reach out or if you want to tell me how much of an idiot I am for saying that I was homophobic when I never was technically homophobic myself but afraid <laughs> of being gay however you want to handle it um, again not that way now uh, very 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 not that way now I am supportive of all uh, genders and sexualities and whatnot. You do what you got to do it's your life as long as you don't infringe on someone else's um, in a way that is wrong, it's okay. Um, but that's what we're going to be watching next week. You can email us any of your thoughts on any of the episodes uh, at contact at BerkReviews.com. Contact at BerkReviews.com. And, of course, you can follow us on social media. I am at BerkReviews on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook at BerkReviews. Uh, Corey, how can they find at you? Corey R. Star. Two R's on the end. Corey R. Star. C-O-R-E-Y, in case you are trying to misspell that mess. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, you can always read my reviews up at BerkReviews.com. I've not posted my review for um, Solo just yet. I haven't actually written it yet because I have uh, just been kind of sitting on the movie and I've had a rough day today. So I will be getting that up probably tomorrow or you will have already heard this podcast. That means that it's been up for a day. So BerkReviews.com, check that out. Uh, go back and listen to our summer movie episode of Top 5 Movies because we are finally starting to get into the middle of it because for two or three weeks it was just me uh earning lots of points with <laughs> like Avengers he's not gonna win anyways guy <laughs> hey that's the only movie i have that's gonna rack up a lot of points for sure um there's a couple of picks on mine that i have no clue how it's gonna do deadpool 2 was doing pretty strong last week um earned you some points this week matt gets on the board with solo's release so keep up with that at burkreviews.com as well um, but listen to the episode, see what we picked, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to kind of see what, what the summer is going to look like. Remember, we still have until July to drop a movie and pick up something else. I might have to do that on a couple, um, and I still, I, I have at least one that I'm very, very apprehensive. I don't know how it's going to play out, but, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Until next episode, uh, Corey, have a good night. Thanks. Bye, guys. And keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com. <laughs>